So, Jake, now is a great time to go to a Rangers game because if you're checking out SeatGeek, I know I don't I don't want to make light of a tough situation, but the ticket prices have never been lower, and the place to find the deals you're not going to find those on the team website. They're going to charge you the same thing as if they were uh, in first place right now. On SeatGeek, you can have some deals, some steals. Yeah, some steals indeed. By the by, the way that uh, SeatGeek just sort of uh, collates all of the ticket websites together in one place, and it's like driven by market value, which means just how much people are trying to buy these tickets at this point. You literally might get paid to go to a Rangers game if you use SeatGeek. You will buy tickets on SeatGeek for Rangers games for less than they're going to get for you, Darvish, when they deal them in two weeks. <laughs> it's a dire situation for the Rangers, but a rosy one for SeatGeek. <laughs> use the promo code BANTER. You'll get 20 bucks back. It's SeatGeek. It's a great service. I use it every single day. It's SeatGeek. <laughs> I'm Margaret Jo McCullen. And I'm Terry Rialto. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to TC and Jake on National Public Radio. All right. Do we just start? Yeah, why not? Since we can't hear the music that you're currently hearing, we're just going to start. And it's probably going to sound, um, I don't know, less uh, dynamic Yeah, than, than usual. Uh, we have a guest. That's one of the reasons for why everything is uh, so odd. Not to blame the guest. I'm not even saying it's bad that it's odd. Why I'm not complaining. That dress if she didn't want that. That's not anything adjacent to the point I'm trying to make. Uh, my point I'm trying to make is that we have Travis Heim here. He's the proprietor of Heim Barbecue, and as established last podcast. Um, I've been on a real listening to barbecue podcast kick, so uh, I thought it would be... It's kind of like watching uh, the Jordan Bulls and then going outside and shooting some hoops with your kids. <laughs> you just uh, walk away shrugging? Yeah, you just, you, just, you know, you just uh, you want to try it out yourself. I find that watching football makes me want to play Madden more than it makes me want to watch like more football. Like I've turned um, games off to play Madden. I would say that at this point, and not at this point, maybe at any point, you were a better Madden player than I ever was football player, but watching exciting football makes me want to play football. Yeah. And going and refing that, I refed a spring game, Travis. Okay, nice. Yeah, at Irving MacArthur the other day. <laughs> Phenomenal. God You're damn, weird. Your reaction was not what I was hoping for. You it wanted, was, like, deep, imp- like, deeply impressed? Like, or pre- maybe appreciate <laughs> more than impressed. Who likes the refs? Uh, you know, I never did. I was always a real asshole. Um, so I thought maybe it would be cool to go check it out, and it was. It was actually really cool, and I could definitely see... Once I'm, you know, 50 years from now, I'm an empty nester. I could see me going and spending some time, you know. Your knees aren't going to allow that. <laughs> Probably not, but it was cool. I guess I say all this to say, it made me want to play football. Yeah. Like, it made me want to see if I could fucking take one of these kids to the corner. Yeah. Drag him to deep water, throw me the fade. Uh, <laughs> and the answer to that is no, I could not have. But so, listening to Barbecue Podcasts, I just kind of was going through my head of like... Could I do my own shitty imitation of this for five seconds? That sounds like fun, doesn't it? Doesn't Jake know someone who does barbecue? Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, this is all about you. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's my idea, it asshole. Is your idea. And, uh, I have, explaining uh, where it came from, it's hard to talk about someone else. I definitely do have um, iCloud evidence that I just don't know that many interesting people 
period. I feel like we've had most of them all on already. <laughs> so, like, I have the note from years past. I'm like, man, it'd be pretty cool to have somebody. Uh, I'm sure that, that you on. said a year ago we should have my friend Travis on the podcast, and I, you know, farted. And no, what's more likely is that I had the idea and then just forgot about it. Yeah, like most things. Hey, so that's why I want to say right now, I want to have Greg Tepper and Ben Baby on to talk about why I now support high schools recruiting football players. <laughs> okay, if I put it out there right now. People will remind me. Maybe one of them will even hear it, and then they can schedule themselves. Yeah. This is the way we should start doing it. Yeah. Uh, also, Roger Stone. <laughs> I'd also like to have Roger Stone. <laughs> Greg Tepper to Roger Stone. That's right. So any of them uh, would like to help set each other's appearance up. Um, but no, I'm fired up, and I'm sorry that we have, uh, you know, we're like the Intifada, you know? We don't fight with guns. We have rocks. You know, if we want to, you know what? You're probably going to want to edit that out. <laughs> Why? Uh, we're, so you don't upset the Antifada? I don't want to know what the Antifada is. The Palestinians who fight the Israelis, but like they're just little guys. They don't have like the good equipment. So like it's kids throwing rocks at like IDF troops who oh, okay. actual guns. We don't have the fully stationed battleship to make all this shit work right every single time, but we will throw rocks at you. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, just a... If, if it seems like I'm not doing a great job on this, I feel sick. So I don't want to be judged by anything. <laughs> don't at me. That's all. Anyways, on to the questions I have prepared, many of which are probably fairly basic. Uh, but I'm interested in them, so hopefully you will be too. First of all, Travis. Um, you, sir. Do you, uh, do you like the song Hotel California? I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I just wanted to... <sighs> Establish your personality right off. The yeah, bat. Uh, I'm not a huge Eagles fan. Um, hopefully, that won't affect the rest of this podcast. But, I mean, that song kind of uh, transcends just them, though, right? Like, yeah, it's a beautifully synchronized piece of music. Yeah, um, I don't really know where to go with this, but I'm uh, not a huge like fan. <laughs> I can no longer think of it independent of Big Lebowski. I mean that's a that's a big part of it, right? Yeah. And Megan doing a podcast on the Big Lebowski last week last week uh, is like some part of why this is in my head because we had she was um, she asked me to like grab a song for her to put at the end of the podcast and it was not um, Hotel California and I was like no I won't do that <laughs> I'll just get you Hotel California yeah of course in Spanish yeah 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 the Gypsy Kings I think um, I heard. It might have even been one of my parents say whenever I was a kid that, and this probably has no cultural, it doesn't hold any water, but they said something to the effect of the Eagles were a lot of people's second favorite band. Mm-hmm. So it was like safe to say, like, sure. I like the Eagles, but no one, were like, no one was like, the Eagles, I love the Eagles. They're my favorite band. Like, I would never call the Eagles my favorite band. I like the Eagles a good bit, and I like Hotel California, just the song, a lot. I don't know. To me, it just it just reeks of like margarita mom, <laughs> like at Glass Cactus or something. Glass Cactus, we will take your money if you'd like to advertise. I try to think of shot. it. I'm into those moms, <laughs> but at the same time, I try to think of it it's like kind of a, a anthem. Like I think of it like it's <laughs> a, a a fresh thing. Like like my favorite thing to do is. Um, this week I was uh, watching old versions of it, old uh, live recordings of it on YouTube. Of course you were. And, uh, and there was a, a recording at the Capitol Center in, uh, in, in Southern Maryland, recorded in 1977, where Dodd Henley has the biggest afro I've ever seen. And like thinking of it in that incarnation, well before any divorce 
Blue Goose moms had had their hooks into it. We'll also take your money, Blue Goose. <laughs> but no it's, it's definitely turned into that. Yeah, yeah, but ago. like that—that's uh, that's immaterial to me. Well, I feel like that putting somebody on the hot seat right out of the gate might not be the not that hot a seat. <sighs> I, didn't, like, I mean, he said that he didn't like the song, and I didn't get <laughs> mad, you know. Anyways, um, so. I am happy to be a, here, by yeah, the way. Thank, thank you, you for, for being uh, here. We appreciate all that. We didn't even really get to any of the, uh, the nice yeah. things. Yeah, fuck it. I'm your Huckleberry so, tonight. Did, what, what was like, where, where does this uh, barbecue journey start for you? Like, did you have a, uh, what other jobs have you had? Yeah, um, shit, pretty much everything. I worked at a roller skating rink when I was 13, and uh, I quit that because. Roller Lane West over here, uh, West Side, Fort Worth. So you're like, you're Fort Worth, Fort Worth. See, I'm yeah. from like Watauga, North Hudson Hills, Haltom City area. We had a holiday, holiday roller rink. Hell yeah. Off of, uh, I went to All-Star Skate in Plano a lot. Baker Back to Boulevard, you. Yeah. Roller Lane West was the shit, I think, like uh, 40 years ago-ish. And, uh, you know, kind of downgraded since then but it was a lot of fun and so i worked the uh concession stand a little bit and uh all that and then um just did a little bit of everything kind of craziness and then didn't really get into barbecue until um my i got married i guess shit almost six years ago and would do it for a hobby for fun and then that was when i first started like cooking for other people outside of my family and they were kind of like oh this isn't terrible (laughs) so it was kind of a encouraging uh way to go about it and then uh, i got the the smoker that we started our food truck with i got from my uncle who was a a really talented uh beer drinker and also welder in marshall texas and he uh had the smoker that he had built that he wouldn't do anything with. And so, um, I was like, I'll give you 300 bucks for it. And it was worth way more than that. But we drug it out of the mud. And once we got that, we started doing pop-up dinners and that was before the food truck, but it was just kind of, we'd have some friends play live music. We'd have a bunch of beer and, um, I'm going to burp and like, is that okay? okay? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, sure. Um, we did the first time we did the bacon burn ends. It's kind of like a big deal now for us. Um, was at one of those pop up dinners. So was it like at somebody's house? Yeah. So we did. Um, we we had the smoker and then I brought it to like my brother in law's house and we kind of parked it there over in uh, Arlington. But then we would have these parties at different friends' houses or our apartment or and then the last one we had was at Swiss Pastry Shop, which is a, a restaurant in town. And it just turned into this deal where we had way too many people there and it kind of blew up. And um, that gave us the encouragement to sort of start looking for, uh, you know, food truck or restaurant, whatever. And so you were not cooking growing up? No, no not really. You easy bake oven? You no, know, no, I don't think so. What if I told you I did? Um, you know, I respect that. I, I didn't want to assume that of you. But, it was uh, pink and uh, my brother and I would make... <laughs> Cupcakes. I mean, you were raised time. primarily by your mom and yeah. didn't have a sister. Yeah. I figured she was buying you some. I mean, yeah, she no. got out of there without wearing a dress once. That's that's amazing. <laughs> Definitely wore shit. a dress. Okay. It's okay. Her dresses. Well, we try right. on her dresses uh-huh. all the time. That I'm, like I said, I'm not afraid to say that. The Easy Bake Oven was, was awesome. Like, if people could come over to your house and you could just make cupcakes for them, they don't care about the color of the oven. So, where's the great invention? You grew up cooking. Uh, well, the first brisket I cooked, I was 12. Okay. Um, oh, okay. That, that's a little more than 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are you now? 27? Uh, 28, uh, June 10th, 28, I think. Yeah, 28. So. Twelve, pretty young. Yeah, yeah. That was like on parents' equipment and stuff. Yeah, so my mom sort of did catering, just you know, on the side, and uh, it's mostly for like West Fort Worth kind of clientele. But um, so she, I grew up around cooking. She was a really good cook. My grandma was a really good cook, and then the barbecue was just something like my granddad did, and I thought it was badass to deal with fire and meat and all that sort of stuff. So. Um, that was the first one I cooked. And then my mom still says that's the best brisket I've ever cooked, but I think she's a liar. I well, she's it. just trying to make sure that you're always striving for something. I guess so. It's like a tiger mom or whatever. <laughs> so what's... He called himself the tiger of barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, paint, paint me the picture whenever you're um, putting together these, uh, these pop-up dinners and saying these are, these are going really well and maybe pitching to the wife, hey, what if we bought a truck? Yeah. Like, what's what does your life look? Where are you working then? Like, uh, what's your, like how stable of a situation? I'm, I'm just, you know, it's just for given how well it's worked out. Of the, it's you, a leap. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You've, you've, you've for sure. You really, you really went for it. And it worked out, and those are always like fucking great stories to hear. So just paint the picture for like what kind of a uh, squalor you're living in to, to <laughs> now get to this. Give me the rags now that we've okay. seen the riches. Uh, yeah, there was definitely the rags for sure. Uh, I mean, we went to school and uh, my wife and I both went to UT Tyler in East Texas and um, she graduated. I still had a year left and we were living there in a 500-ish square foot apartment uh, and it was awful she worked for an ophthalmologist and we were making zero money. Um, so we moved back to Fort Worth, both of our families here, and we we're just kind of trying to make ends meet. I started working uh, security for an oil company here in Fort Worth, and uh, it sucked. It was a soul-wrenching job. <laughs> it was just awful. Um, but it was fun because then on the weekends, I could do the pop-up dinners. I could do the barbecue. So we would essentially, I'd, I'd you know, work 40, 50 hours a week, and then as soon as I was off Friday, we would start cooking. I would cook through the night, and then Saturday at seven, we would have our pop-up dinner. Man, so, I just remember, imagine like the other security workers, and it's like, man, Travis just won't shut the fuck up about all of his cooking in the off time. Like, just keep your head down and keep this yeah. oil area safe, man. Yeah. And now all of them be like, well, fuck. You remember Travis? <laughs> He's got a restaurant. I imagine that most people who work security for uh, oil companies are not keen on even the concept or the words pop-up dinner. Sure. Yeah. That's accurate. <laughs> oh, is it going to be a pairing? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> How many courses? Yeah, a little Chardonnay. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, it, it kind of... Uh, you know, it's interesting looking back on it and kind of all the, the awful shitty jobs that I could have taken, especially after that. So essentially, like the reason I have a beard now, which is, you know, it's like everybody's like, oh, my God, your beard and try to get me to go in the beard alliance and that shit, which I've. You have a calling card now. I do not care about that at all. What's but the beard alliance? <laughs> it's a group of dudes yeah. that have facial hair. Like in then, Fort Worth or like no, yeah. World? Uh, man, yeah. I think this might yeah. be. I think it goes beyond. Fort yeah, Worth. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, respect to them. That's awesome. What is what does um, that like entail, though? Do you have meetings? They they do competitions, competitions. yeah, and then judge it. 
Um, and the North Texas Beard Alliance, I think they're the local group. Those guys are super cool. That's um, a good beer, but I don't know. That's a competition beer. Well, no, it's you, not. It's not. Michael, yeah. If you play in the red, the red division. Oh, okay. that's a good point. Yeah. 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 You're like a, the left-handed pitcher. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. You're like the switch, the guy that goes left and right. You don't yeah. know where he's coming, you know? Um, so that, the, the lady that owned the oil company is who I directly work for. So she's like a billionaire. And uh, my boss comes in one day and was like, yeah, she doesn't uh, like beards, so you need to shave your beard. And I had a beard about roughly this size, and uh, so I was like, I fucking hate this guy, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so then I shaved Oh, well, man. she doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit what she thinks? But so then I shaved, and then I think uh, two weeks later, I got laid off. So then after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to grow a beard. I'm going to cook barbecue, blah, blah, blah. And they obviously not thinking it would actually work out, but you know, wow. So you got laid off and that's, that was what led you to buy the truck. Yeah. So yeah, we did, we did the pop-up dinners kind of while I was doing, working with the oil company and that was, uh, you know, fun. We could do those. We did those about once a month or once every couple of months type of deal. Um, Paperhead. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, essentially what we did was, We'd just throw a party. People would throw in money for it. Um, and then we started doing like a ticket thing. Mm-hmm. It was like you pay whatever you want, but you pay up front and then people would show up. And that kind of mostly just gave us a ballpark of how many people to expect. Um, so it was kind of, you know, unorganized sort of yeah. underground type deal. We called it meat club and it was just kind of a stupid play on fight club. And that sounds awesome. Um, it was a lot of fun. Like I, I kind of want to start doing that again now just cause we've, we're so far from it, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah, man, I want to go. Um, yeah. well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to lose the train of like the carnology, yeah, but where, yeah. were, where were you getting like your product at this point? Oh yeah. I can establish, you don't even have the truck yet at this point. Yeah. How are you getting what you need? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, shit. So when we were doing our meat club dinners, it was like mostly just working with whoever, like I would buy stuff from central market cause they would have like really good stuff and it would be so much money. Yeah. But, but even like wholesaler type people. That yeah. Have, that's not the type of people you work with now. Well, even, I mean, you know, that's kind of like the restaurant world, I guess, but it's like small fish. Like they don't really give a shit about you. Right. And so when we were doing these pop-up dinners, you know, maybe I'd cook like two cases of brisket or something for a dinner. Um, and then now we'll go through like a hundred cases in a week. And so now it's like, everybody wants to be your friend, you know, blah, blah, blah. But back then I'd be calling, like begging, Hey, I want to buy your meat. And they're just, yeah, you know, go fuck yourself, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even really need them. You could you could pay for the shoes. You could pay twice that for your briskets. You'd still yeah. be able to make money. So we just do. I mean, we just try different stuff too. Like we did the one of the events was everything on the menu was going to have bacon, and so we did the bacon burn-ins were one of the deals, and um, the potato salad that's on the menu now. So it was kind of just a way to test out recipes and stuff. And even then, I I had a desire to open a restaurant, you know, or something like that, but. But even then, you're like, I don't know if this is actually going to happen. It was just a fun thing that we got to do, and I got to practice on cooking barbecue, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So that was three years ago, four years ago, something like that. And um, 
after I got laid off, then we looked at moving to Austin because I have a bunch of friends that own barbecue restaurants in Austin. And mm-hmm. I'd cooked, um, I've cooked a lot with the La Barbecue crew and John Lewis, who used to be the head pit master there. He moved to Charleston, um, South Carolina, opened a place. We were going to partner with him on that. And that kind of fell through and obviously worked out for the best. But I worked uh, a lot with him. And then Aaron Franklin, who's, a, of course, everybody knows Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um so and how, I, how do you meet people like like did you just happen to go to school with them or are there like uh, barbecue meetings like these beard competitions where like <laughs> you know just all the barbecue people hang out yeah i think uh i mean you guys talked about it a little last week like the barbecue is nobody gave a shit about it really and then it's kind of turned into this whole like subculture and uh we i just randomly met aaron at an event um in 2012 or something like that in Austin. And, um, it was a really cool deal with food waste, Texas, like a nonprofit. Um, so shout out to them of course, but, um, it was really cool. And we basically just hung out and drank beer all day. And so, you know, I was telling him, yeah, I want to open a place, but I don't have any money. And this is way before even the oil company and all that shit. And, uh, his advice was like, just do it and <laughs> just go for it. So I was like, okay. And so that kind of gave me the encouragement to, I got the smoker from my uncle and we started from there. And then, um, I met John, John Lewis because he had, uh, built some smokers, like welded his own smokers with his dad. And I had the smoker and it was kind of like, it wasn't super efficient, but you know, it was, um, it got the job done. So I was like, Oh, if I cut the stack here, if I move this here, you know, and uh, I just randomly met him, and then the next week he invited me to cook with him at the Texas Monthly Barbecue Fest that they do every year. Um, so that was nuts, and that was, like, you know, really cool. So we kind of started a friendship. Um, but I learned a lot of the restaurant sort of side of stuff from from those two guys, and um, it's just crazy. I mean, that's honestly, like, looking back at it, I forget so much shit like that where it's just conversations had here or there and uh people that i met along the way but it was essentially once i got laid off from the oil company um my my wife em and i were kind of like okay what the hell do we do from was here she working then? yeah so she worked at a separate oil company <laughs> in fort worth <laughs> it's and, a uh, here. Yeah, yeah yeah you got a couple yeah, yeah. and so uh that's a big fort worth deal but it was it was where i was i, I had a friend of mine that was like if you're going to move to Austin, I'll give you a job, but I don't want you to work here. And that was sort of like the last thing in the world I wanted to hear. Cause I was like, I want to come work with you. I want to learn from you. And, um, he was like, you know, if you come work here, you're going to cook ribs for five years and that's all you're going to do. And you're not going to like it. You should just go do your own thing in Fort Worth and, um, you know, I'll support you and all that. And so literally that was a Sunday I'd worked there that week. And then, um, Sunday, I was looking at propane tanks on Craigslist to build a new smoker and I found the food truck for lease at Republic bar met with them. And then Emma was in Midland, Midland or Odessa, one of those places, um, working. And I called her in a La Quinta and I was like, I think I'm going to spend all of the money we have <laughs> on uh, <laughs> this deposit for the food truck. And I was, you know, I, to be honest, I was like not wanting to do it. Cause I was kind of like, if this doesn't work out, we're going to yeah. live with your parents. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be a, a good end result. And she really encouraged me. and was like, just, you know, let's just go for it and see what happens. So we spent 
all the money we had saved on the deposit for this food truck, you know, to lease it. And then just about all the money we had the first day we opened, we spent on meat and, you know, that stuff. So I think we had like about a hundred dollars when we opened, which is, you know, I tell people it's a terrible fucking way to open a business. Like that's <laughs> don't do that. It's dumb. So uh, <laughs> how did you get a hold of this food truck? I just randomly found it on Craigslist. Um, and it was a guy that it, wow. it, it's at a bar, Republic bar, um, shout out in Fort Worth. That's kind of South Maine in Pennsylvania. And, uh, the guy had bought it. It was his parents owned it and they did like frozen burgers out of it. Obviously no one gave a shit. So it was just sitting there. So he was looking for, you know, somebody to come in and fill it out. And it basically worked out to where we could pull up our smoker and then just go. Yeah. And that's maybe a one in a million kind of yeah, situation. I ever saw it. I'm like, this I this would not work at ninety nine out of a hundred bars. Yeah, like the way there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, right there, the where people can wait in line. Yeah, and like eat outside. And it was also like I remember that being like a pretty big like soccer bar. Yeah, they so were. Like, yeah, it was. Uh, they were in early on, there, there were people there like in the early part of the days on Saturdays. Yeah, that's so it was just kind of like because it's not like a bar would normally be busy during barbecue. I mean. I would fucking love to eat right, barbecue at one a.m., but I don't know if everyone's with me. Yeah, yeah, there was like a it was a very serendipitous like meeting of location and their deal. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. I mean, it, it's a real up and coming sort of part of town, and uh, you know, it's really neat. And then our restaurant that we moved to after that was you know just a minute away, maybe two minutes away. So. Um, it's kind of kind of wild. So yeah, whatever you make uh, the leap for for how, so how long? How long did you do the truck? How many years? We were at the food truck uh, February 2015 until um, about a year and a half, I think. And about when was the first time you started thinking like this is already we're too stacked? Like we need more yeah. space. The first the first month was kind of. I hope people show up. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh-huh. every day was like, okay, we have four briskets and if we don't sell these four, then, you know, we're going to be screwed for buying meat for the next day or whatever. Um, and then I, were about, you, were you there? Ever, were you, was the food truck open every day? No, when we first started. So when we first opened, we were Wednesday night and Saturday morning. And I think we did that for a month, maybe. And that was because they did a stupid trivia night, Wednesday night at the bar. So we're like, well, at least people will show up. And then Saturday, everybody wants barbecue on Saturday. Um, And then my wife was working, still working her job. Yeah. So she would basically come and cashier, you know, for us. And uh, I would do, like, if we were open Wednesday, I would cook all day Tuesday for the briskets, maybe get home midnight, something like that. Show up about 4 a.m., do the ribs, bacon, all that stuff. Um, so we had it on. So it was kind of just this crazy sort of schedule. Um, and then about two months in, you know, we started getting some traction. Then we opened three days a week. And after we got, uh, we got a really positive review. And then after that, it was, you know, we were just busy. Like from who? The, it was just a star telegram, okay. but that was enough to kind of meet our capacity. Um, and then once, you know, the Texas monthly guys, those guys started poking around and it was, it was way too much. So after, after about two months, my wife quit her job and kind of did full time, 
um, with the food truck and that was still terrifying, (laughs) you know, like, uh, all of our income coming from that. But, um, it was good. And then yeah, I just wonder that first week, like you're talking about how like you spent all your money, like on just buying the meat and just wonder, like if no one shows up and that meat gets cold, like, (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 Well, we're, you know, geniuses. So the first day we opened on the Wednesday was like a blizzard. It was when we had that blizzard in 2015. So I think we did like brisket and then I did chili and I was just like, Oh, please. I pray to God somebody will want chili on this day. And then that Saturday was a little bit better, but we still have some, you know, we, we used to work at Joe T's. So we had this whole crew of friends that, that, uh, came in from Joe T's and I'm still like, if you hadn't showed up that day, we probably might not be open right now. You know, it was like, when you think about it that way, it's a little, it's a little crazy, but, uh, yeah, so far so good. And so it was about six months in that um, we were like, we got to get another smoker. We got to cook more. I mean, at that point, we're having maybe two hour waits, three hour waits. And uh, I hate that. And I don't like people having to wait. You know, it's not cute or whatever to me. I just want to yeah, get I think them through. Weird. The people like almost seem like to fetishize like waiting a really long time for food. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like waiting at all. Yeah. yeah and I, and I <laughs> am positive that. Well, I guess I'm not positive. Maybe some people like that because it creates like word of mouth marketing or just the, the drive. by. Yeah. I mean, it creates some idea of like, you know, that it's going to take a lot. Like it's kind of a, I, I earned a, this. A you feel like you earned your food. Right. But, uh, I'd much rather just, uh, know that someone else earned it yesterday and the line's short today and I can just <laughs> go to the front. Um, so as far as, uh, Whatever you make the leap and go from uh, having this truck to a brick and mortar store, when you said that, uh, like, whenever the Texas Monthly started talking about you, that that was kind of whenever it became like apparent to you. Were uh, you thinking about it some before then? And, yeah. And when when did Texas Monthly start talking about it? Well, like um, you know, they. I guess the Texas Monthly is like the big barbecue kind of. Uh, Daniel was a, a Daniel Vaughn barbecue editor. He was kind of a blogger. Oh, you don't got to tell me. Yeah, you know who he is. I've listened to multiple barbecue podcasts stuff. from <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, he knows the shit. So he was he was kind of a blogger, and then he got on with them. And so, um, you know, just as it is, once he starts poking around, then obviously you're going to get more traffic. And um, that was, and we had we known each other from before that, and um, cooked at a bunch of events that, that he was at that type of thing, but. Um, you know, it was about six months in that we started getting where people were like, we want to invest in you and we want to do this and we'll give you money for this equity and all this stuff. And that was kind of the first part where we weren't even looking for a restaurant or whatever. It was more just like, we have got to cook more food than we're cooking right now. And we're very limited, um, cause of the smokers. So we bought another smoker. Then we did a Kickstarter for a smoker. And I think we set it at, uh, 4,500. That sounds right. 4,500 bucks. And we hit that in seven hours and it was nuts. Like Emma called me. Um, I was on the way to Benny Keith to pick up briskets for the next day. And, uh, she was like, I think something's wrong with the, the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. It's already at like $800. 
I was like, I don't know, you know, maybe it's not, you know, whatever, but it was just insane. Um, so then we built this big ass smoker called McNipples, uh, you know, someone <laughs> we put, I think it was 2,500 bucks and it was, you can name the smoker, whatever you want. And, uh, some good friends of ours now, obviously, um, they decided to name it McNipples. So then at that point we went from, we could do 20 briskets and like eight pork butts to, 36 briskets just on the one smoker plus the 20 and the eight. And then still we were, that was good for like a week. And then we were sold out, um, by two or whatever. So, um, it, it basically just worked out to where we had met these, these people, um, where Rachel Churchill's one of our partners and she sent me an email was like, Hey, we want to do a catering tomorrow. And I was like, we can't do that. Sorry. You know, uh, think of us next time. And then I had another friend message me and was like, Hey, I think I don't, you don't know who that is. You should do that catering. And I was like, I don't give a fuck who that is. I don't want to do that. We can't do it, you know, whatever. And, uh, we developed a, a friendship and, and, you know, she sent a message and was like, Hey, have you ever thought of opening a restaurant in Magnolia? And I was like, yeah, every day of my life, that's what I think about. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, her and her husband, Will, had have this building where our restaurant is now. And it was a Mexican-Asian fusion restaurant that maybe you frequented. or What's it called? Uh, there's one in Arlington. Chura. That was it. No, it's, I thought it was a TRU, but man, it was weird. It was real weird, but I did like it. But it was just... I don't know. I don't want to cast aspersions on people that you may currently be in a business relationship with. But No, who gives a shit? They didn't was, have anything to do with it. It was just too weird. Yeah. It was just, like like you said, it was Asian-Mexican. <laughs> yeah. so they would have, like, you know, a lot of, like, Korean pork taco type deal. Like, I mean, that sounds good. <laughs> it was, but it was just weird. The place was just weird. It just yeah. didn't fit at all down there. Yeah, so, I, I mean, and it was a weird Thai, Thai place before that or something that people really it liked. Um, so, so yeah, so they bought that from them. They had this building and they were very sort of selective of who they wanted to go in there. And, uh, we were able to work out, you know, sort of a deal with them that, that, uh, was one of a kind. I mean, it was really awesome. We're very blessed in the situation we're at, but after talking to numerous people that were like, want to take a ton of equity, want to do this and all this, they were kind of like, Hey, this is your dream. What you guys, you know, want to go for, and basically gave us the capital to do that, um, and then it worked out. So now we're looking at another restaurant and going from there. And oh, really? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, that from February 2015 to now is just sort of a whirlwind. But uh, where uh, where are you looking at for the new restaurant? I can press you for what might be personal details. No, at this not point. at all. We signed a lease on a building in uh, West Fort Worth, but it's like the River District is what they're calling it. And uh, it's old VFW building. So it's like this nice. really cool building um, over kind of River Oaks sort of area, West What's Fort Worth. 5333 White Settlement Road. Okay. Um, but it's right on, on the Trinity... Uh, it's just this cool, badass old building. It's like 7,500 square foot. Um, so we just signed on that recently and then we'll start construction July 1st. 
So I think we'll end up being probably a year of construction until we actually get in there. But uh, it's it's massive. We can do a gigantic smokehouse. We can do our catering out of there. Um, and it's kind of this real cool up and coming sort of part of Fort Worth, you know, West Fort Worth near where I grew up. And uh, it's still somewhat affordable yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of young family, you know, young professional sort of. That's uh, where your buddy lives, right? Can we just bought a house there? Yeah. Uh, within the last few weeks near Jake Casa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe they call it Jake Casas. I don't know, but that place is, uh, historic. Um, so before we break, cause there's like four or five more things I want to get to. And I also want to get these dogs all the way the fuck out of my hair. <laughs> Love these dogs. Can you tell me, um, about the original location for the second spot? Yeah. So we it's were gonna, from there now that I look at it on a map, no, 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 not too far. Yeah. Right down the street. We had, uh, and that was sort of the impetus for the second place. Like we weren't really looking for another spot and it just so happened that my business partner was frat brothers with the guy that owned it. So we kind of got the inside scoop on it when, you know, all that was going down free. Yeah. The old, uh, there was a restaurant called Thurber Mingus, which yeah. I actually liked a lot. A lot of people that I took there didn't like it so much. I dug it. Um, and also, there was a volleyball court out back, and I'm pretty sure my right. parents um, spent time out when they were like 19 or 20 uh, in a real side-out type fashion of like <laughs> nighttime bar at the, with a volleyball, sand volleyball court. Yeah, my brother went through a period like whenever he would come back from college. Club. Yeah, and yeah. he would like, he just had a volleyball he would keep in his truck. Oh, of course. <laughs> it was a weird and fucking time. still kind of had the little area back there. Like, I dug it, but... I could tell every time I went there, like, this is probably not going to be here that long, but the, yeah. the location is awesome, though. Yeah, it's sweet. So before it was Third Remingus, it was Froggies. Okay, yeah, that's right. And a lot of, like, West Fort Worth people will probably remember that. That yeah. was the first bar I drank at when I was, like, 16 years old. Yeah, of course. And a, probably a freshman at Arlington Heights. <laughs> you could just walk in there, and they're like, ah, you know, who gives a shit? But, yeah, sand volleyball courts downstairs, Dance. and then... When we, once we took possession of it, you could go upstairs where the, you know, Third Remingus, you dine yeah. inside where the bar is. Upstairs, there's this creepy ass office with like a computer. And so allegedly there was illegal gambling going on in the, in the basement when it was Froggy's. And they had a, a dude that would sit up there and watch the cameras. And then, you know, basically if the cop showed up or whatever, he could radio down and tell them where to go but you go into the basement it's just like a nightmare it's just like craziness there's old I love it. uh casino slots and stuff and you know all that it was it was wild so it was really cool and and we we really wanted to uh to make it work but there's a number of issues that kind of you know we we weren't able to to come to a head on but can i tell you the one i heard yeah um because right there uh it, it, without like the visual of knowing where we're talking about. I'm not really sure if this would make sense, but right there on White Settlement, next to this restaurant, there's a pretty large open space, almost just a huge field on the other side of the Trinity. And on the other side of that field are really nice houses, um, like really nice houses. I don't know about like the nicest, it's not Mira Vista, it's not, you know, uh, Colonial, but those are, it's a pretty nice neighborhood. And uh, I was told that the people who live there However, they pulled this off, at least part of not uh, moving in there, 
was that they didn't want like the draft of the smoker uh, getting into their neighborhood. To which I consider, a, I would consider that a feature. Yeah, the, I'd pay for my <laughs> neighborhood benefit, to yeah. have <laughs> always smell yeah. like pulled pork. But I guess, like, if you look at it, it kind of makes sense that it would end up there. But that seems uh, crazy to me, and maybe that's just the sort of thing that you hear. And it was really not in any way consequential, but I did hear that. Yeah, well, you like know, a HOA or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you guys have a lot of Dallas listeners probably, but most of the Fort Worth people know that Fort Worth's kind of a good old boy town oh, and brother-in-law, whatever. I have a super love-hate relationship, right? Like I grew up kind of here. I love it here. I don't want to move from here, but there is a lot of shit that I don't really particularly love. And it's just kind of that tension between what I like to be part of. They say that like after the election, you know, when a lot of people were talking about moving to uh, other countries like mm-hmm. young progressives. Yeah. And there were a number of articles that were like, you should just move to a swing state. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want to be some sort of different, and that's, I would not say that I've thought it through to that level of, uh, you know, politico change sort of thing, but it does feel like, well, if I want it to be kind of different here, I should grow up and send my kids to school here and maybe try to get involved here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, there are definitely I guess what I'm saying is when I heard that story, I believed it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Which is a, probably all Yeah, to that to end, I can't uh, confirm that, but I, I've been told that same story. Um, essentially, what it came down to with us, there, there was a number of issues, but the way that that property sits is uh, it's essentially the building is owned by Group X, and that's who we would lease it through. Uh, but the way that that property sits is it's it's on land that falls under the Trinity River Authority or Trinity River Vision or, you know, mm-hmm. some fucking government thing. So if you're going to do uh, if you they whatever, whether it's a Trinity River Authority or whatever, they have to OK any additional structure that you built. So normally that's not an issue. Well, for us, we need to build a smokehouse because we're all about, we just use the all wood fires. You know, it's real old school, everything. Um, So we we're going to build a smokehouse basically where like kind of the volleyball court, you know, type area was. And we had a couple meetings. Uh, The first meeting was kind of like, there's nothing you can do. We're not going to let you do it. Um, okay, well, let's, you know, maybe work another angle, blah, blah, blah. And it just came down to where they flat out were not going to let us build an additional structure where we could put a smokehouse there. Um, so then even at that point, we're like, okay, we have a big-ass smokehouse over at the Magnolia location. We could cook all the barbecue there, truck it over. Um but then just sort of the unwillingness of the people that we were talking with to kind of work with us. Yeah. You just throw your hands up and say it, it reached a point where it was just, you know, it, we were going to have more issues than, than, uh, anyone else to, to make it happen. So that, that could be a part of it. I think it was more on our end. It was more just working with the city and the, the people that we were working with. Um, the, you know, it's just very bureaucratic. It's very by the book. And we're like, well, listen, we're not a Mexican restaurant. We're not a burger place. We need this building for a purpose. We'll put it 20 feet in the air if you want uh, on stilts. Cause you know, it's in a floodplain or it's, right. it's, it's, it's kind of right on a floodplain. So I totally understand where they're coming from. 
Um, but then that, and then there wasn't really, there's not an access from White Settlement Road into the property. So you have to go, you have to take a ride on Isabel, then you have to come around mm-hmm. uh, and then go that way. So then we even had a meeting where they said the road from Isabel to where, you know, the former Third Mingus was, that road is technically not a road. That is an access easement to the trailhead that's right there that's a park trailhead um, for the Trinity River. And they're, I think they're trying to move all their like kayak stuff and, you know, that sort of events to that side of the Trinity. Um, but so they were essentially like, you can't have a business on a road that's meant for a, uh, whatever park road or something. I don't know. It was just basically like, we got to the point where it's like, who do we pay? <laughs> like we got to pay somebody something to make this work. And, and, uh, we just got tired of it. So literally it, it worked out perfectly cause we were able to, to work through the lease and, if someone's willing to put the money in to that that property, I think it'll be so cool. It's really really cool spot. Yeah, I, I, um, I was hopeful. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I know a couple friends that have restaurants that were kind of looking at it. Um, so I think it can be really cool. It's just going to take a ton of money, and then so we terminated our lease, and then that day called my friend Chris Powers with Fort Capital, who's you know kind of doing that whole River District sort of area. And he was like, that's crazy. I just uh, closed on the VFW today. Come look at it. So we went over to the VFW and we we're like, okay, this place is four times as big as that other place and all that. But uh, we just went for it. So it's 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 exciting. And then we live right there, sort of West Fort Worth. So, um, you know, it's, it's super close to us. But there's a lot of stuff like we really want to do live music there. We're going to have a sort of outdoor space. Um the architects that we're working with, they did the Rustic in Dallas and Happiest Hour. Um, so we're sort of trying to have that outdoor kind of vibe, but then keep it super old school, traditional barbecue, what we do. Um, so I think we can make something really cool, you know, on the west side that there's nothing like that over there. It's got a fucking cannon outside. We're trying to keep the cannon <laughs> with the VFW. Oh, so I'm, oh, I'm hoping that'll work out. The VFW I was in every week growing up as a kid also had a smoker. So I'm, yeah. I'm very excited to hopefully recreate that kind of feel. Yeah, hell yeah. I, I mean, it's a. Do you, uh, it's Fort Worth. Are you going to allow uh, smoking inside the restaurant? Because I can't conceptualize if <laughs> EFW doesn't smell like cigarettes. Well, I think that's. You might have to paint. Yeah, that's one of the first issues is we have about 70 years of cigarette smoke. That we have to <laughs> remediate. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's it. Uh, <laughs> just imagine. Yeah, they don't smoke lights. Oh, did we lose it? I think, I think it's we're fine. still good to go. Yeah. All right, here's what we're going to do. Let's take a break. Let's kill both these animals, <laughs> and uh, we will uh, do another 20 You're minutes. So on this one. So he's a patent troll? Yep. Guys like him buy a ton of super broad IP from failed startups at auction and then threaten litigation against accused infringers, i.e. So uh, how much is Burke asking for? $20,000. Ah, you're getting off easy. Well, no. Look, his patent covers storage of media files on a network. I mean, that cannot be enforceable. It's probably not. But to find out, you're going to have to fight him in court. For a good litigator, we're talking at least a couple hundred grand. Just pay him the 20 grand, Richard. I could get creative and take some money out of the Melcher deal. There you go. 
No, we need that money. This is a shakedown. He's a crook. And right when our app is getting off the ground. Well, that's how he found you. Guys just landed on the App Store top 500 list, right? Yeah. So Burke starts at the bottom of those lists, works his way up. The more settlements he gets, the stronger his case. The higher you are on the list, the more money he asks for. It's like, it's like Limp Bizkit. You sued those guys too? Not the band. The thing the band is named after. Limp Bizkit's an old frat ritual where all the brothers race to stroke one out onto a biscuit and then the last guy to nut has to eat it. <laughs> all right, so sometimes it's a wheat thin. Look, Richie, I get it. It's embarrassing to pull your pud in front of the whole pledge class. Just pay the guy. Or maybe we convince the entire pledge class to not play the game at all in the first place. <laughs> if only. Hello, everybody. Thanks uh, again for making it. And thanks to Gus of Gigglybots for hosting. No problem. My name is uh, Richard Hendricks uh, of Pied Piper. You're the guy who's working for Gavin Belson. W was working with Gavin Belson, yeah. So he's not coming? No. No, not at all. But I'll have you all know that without any involvement from Gavin Belson, Pied Piper, just like yourselves, has reached the Hooli App Store's top 500 list. And you guys are aware that you are all directly above us on the list, which is why you should know that a patent troll named Stuart Burke has recently demanded that I pay a $20,000 licensing fee. And if I pay, he's going to come and ask you guys for more money. He starts with the little guy. Not that I'm little. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm actually, uh... Above average height. Isn't this something that could have been done over email? I mean, I guess, but look, if we don't stop this guy, he's gonna just keep asking for more and more money until someone is stuck with an unpayable bill. It's kind of like that old fraternity game, uh, the Limp Biscuit. Sorry, I wasn't in a fraternity. Uh, what is that? Oh, I, I, I don't think we need to get into it. It's this. where guys stand in a circle and masturbate onto a cracker. And then the last guy eats it. What? Again, I, again, I don't really know why he would mention that. It's super gross. Is this why Gavin Belson stopped working with you? No. The important thing is here. Um, my lawyer has actually drafted a partnership agreement. So why don't you do all this? Essentially, uh, we all band together and each contribute $20,000. We should have more than enough money to mount a challenge against this guy's patent. And if we win, we dissolve the patent so that he can't do this to anyone else ever again. Because in the end, shouldn't it be Mr. Stuart Burke, the patent troll, who was forced to eat the biscuit? I'm pretty sure that's sexual assault. Yeah, no one deserves that. I know, Not that's what I'm saying. I, look, I'm pretty sure it's even made up, like a, like a donkey punch, you know? Again, what is a donkey punch? It's uh, when guys... Just don't. Don't. This is a random question before we start talking about barbecue more. Sure. Um, and this is for you too, Jake. Did you guys 
for even two seconds watch the Manchester concert? Is that a no. weird question? No, it's not a weird question. I did not watch it, but I probably would have. It was Sunday night, right? It was Sunday night in Britain, so it was like two o'clock. Okay, yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't watch it. I went to. It was a. Uh, I don't know. It was family day, and then it was. Yeah. Uh, then it was basketball time. So I was. I, I, uh, I did not. But I, I after I saw the lineup and. I wish I would have, kind of. I was, like, reading stuff on the couch and just had it on the background, like, on the Xbox, so you just throw it up and stream it live. It was really fucking cool. First of all, that Old Trafford cricket ground, that's, like, an amazing venue. Like, it, it kind of reminded me of Soldier Field, the way they try to, like, mix the old and new of, like, that the, you know, really fucking British-looking building that, like, obviously was the first thing they built in, like, the 1840s or whatever is still there, but then they also have, like, really, really modern-looking shit and just, I don't know. That was cool. It was neat. Uh, it was me, great. it's mostly just Bieber was there. <laughs> Bieber oh, yeah. was there. Is, you know, that's a big deal for me. Um, and I'm trying to... You can make more Bieber jokes. I'm going to try and that find... That was a joke. I, I like Justin Bieber's music. <laughs> I like... Uh, I like his his entire last album is full of bangers, and I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm well aware of your uh, strong Bieber support, but uh, the the big thing was uh, Liam Gallagher coming out. Yeah, and I heard about I, this. I uh, like Will Ferrell's character in the Parliament. Uh, I'm a big fan of Oasis, <laughs> and I'd say one of the things that has like really tickled me. Um, my entire life is how much Liam and Noel hate each other. Yeah, that uh, tickled. Also, um, it's depressing. <laughs> I guess it's depressing. But like, whenever I found out about it as like a fourteen-year-old, and I realized that this is like the darkest version of how I currently feel about my younger brother, and like their grown-ups who like act all of it out, like totally uninhibited. Yeah, uh, I I think it's great. So uh, Liam was awesome. Uh, and then afterwards tweeted, Manchester, I'd like to apologize for my brother's absent last night. Very disappointed. Stay beautiful. Stay safe. That's one tweet. He's not done. Noel's out of the fucking country. Weren't we all, love? Get on a fucking plane and play your tunes for the kids, you sad fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know that uh, sort of folding your personal family strife into uh guilting someone about fucking about, about dead children is yeah. such a next level move <laughs> yeah yeah that, that seems to be as bad as it gets <laughs> so it was fun all the way around i had a great time <laughs> how often can you associate your family like issues with a tragedy though like that's the ultimate so, yeah, that's of point. I mean, yeah you, you kind of have to do it it's goddamn 9-11 daniel can't you have a heart I don't know how I would be able to say that. Yeah, no. Respect. It's uh, respect. It's not funny. Um, Okay, so what's it like working with your wife? Uh, Great. Um, If she's listening to this. uh, She will. um, No, it's actually, it's really good because, and I talk to a lot of restaurant people, you know, and, and I think I'm more of the, I don't really like to talk to people. And I like to kind of just be in the smokehouse and, and doing that side of things. And she's really good with hospitality, the front of house, customers. Yeah, talking yeah. to people and just 
she's very welcoming and inclusive. And I think that's very uh, good. Whereas when people talk to me, I'm kind of just trying to fast forward it so I can get out of it. But I'm mean, like, like uh, completely no bullshit. You're two of the friendliest people I've ever met. That's good to hear. Uh, and so I appreciate I that. It's not a surprise <laughs> to me that it, that it does work. Yeah. But I still also think like there's a certain amount of, and this comes from uh, my mom and my stepdad run a business together and have for the entire time they've been together pretty much. And it's tough. Oh yeah. It's definitely. You know, I think if either one of them could draw up a scenario, like ideally, I don't think they would draw it up that way. Um, and it might be partially that my mom had already started the business hmm. and my stepdad sort of just jumped in. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he was a cop okay. and then stopped doing that and sort of has, uh, just a natural business acumen that maybe she didn't totally have at the time and right. been instrumental in taking it from this step to that step, whatever it may be. I, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but yeah, yeah. I think it comes with a certain amount of just, I don't know. It seems really hard. And I wonder yeah. if like, uh, if you imagine 20 years from now, one, if you're still doing the same job. Yeah. And two, if you would still be both working there in the same capacity. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question because essentially, too, now we've gone through two general managers and it was kind of both, you know, different issues. Um, but we had to we had to get rid of the last one. And so essentially Emma's kind of doing that job, um, which is, you know, a big deal. It's a huge part of what we do. And making sure the numbers are there, all of that stuff. And uh, I'm more still kind of in the kitchen in the back of, you know, back of the house dealing with that type of stuff. But for us, it's good because we have a balance of like someone who's on the other side of it that I know I can trust, that I know I can, you know, rely upon to, uh, you know, to care about that type of thing. And your concentration is truly admirable. Thank you. I'm tr the yeah. dogs are we're literally a dog fight in Jake's house right now. Because um, <laughs> the mic. The <laughs> no, I, I, I think that like uh, in most situations, the idea of working with your wife uh, sounds like a nightmare. But if you're in a job like yours, that's like a very non-traditional job, having someone that exactly understood those stakes and like, you know, that you didn't have to, like, explain to them why it's important that you, like, not sleep tonight while you're working on these ribs. Like, that would be pretty instant. Like, if you're going to do that, you kind of have to have both of you that's in the true. same situation. Yeah, you're 100% right. So that's where... Jake, talk some. Hello, 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 hello. Okay, I think... I, I can't... I, I can't hear you. you. Um, Was I actually in this one? Oh, you're... Yeah, yeah, you're in here. Uh, Yeah. There you go. I don't know. I'm going to stand here and play defense. But yeah, that's right. I never really <laughs> thought of it that way in terms of when I try to tell or any of us try to tell our wife like, hey, I have to do this, that, whatever. Maybe it's you're doing Mavs and you're getting up and doing Musers. They may understand, but if they actually knew that their jobs and their businesses' success was directly tied to that as well, I imagine they would level a lot fewer complaints. And I, you, I'm, I'm not speaking for you, but me, like, uh, I just don't have to make that many of those asks. Yeah. Um, but whereas, has, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm saying like he's got to make those asks a couple times a week, right? Like, what's like, your regular day to day like? Um. So essentially, like, 
we we have a really good crew which helps out a lot that we've trained and that, that does a really good job but for the most part emma my wife is kind of running the show for the first part of the day because obviously uh unless you're saying maybe friday saturday the majority of our our busy time is lunch um so she's kind of running running that making sure everything's fine so really all i have to rely on is just making sure that the quality's there with the food and the way that our schedule works you know we'll put on briskets 10 a.m they'll go till uh 2 a.m you know maybe sometimes later than that so and you're there. um yeah for the most part yeah um just kind of checking on stuff and it's the the deal with barbecues it's it's not really that complicated it's not too hard but it's just the consistency is what separates you from maybe a place that's not that good so can we be really good but can we be really good every single day um and that's a tough part so that's kind of where that line falls into and and for me it's not you know it is that's that is super interesting to think about because just the way you work with husband and wife but it's the only problem that kind of comes from that i think is when you're like you don't want to take your work home you know that type of deal yeah i and, mean it would, it would definitely have some challenges yeah and then you and then inevitably you go home or at least and you're it would like for me maybe you're not an asshole <laughs> no i <laughs> can assure you i probably fall in that category but you just get home and you like start complaining about this shit that happened today or you know this and and most of the time it's not you know, customer things, but just different issues with employees or whatever. And I think you can fall into a rut. And my wife is really good about that kind of separating that whole part of what we do. Cause it is like, like Jake was saying earlier, today's, you know, Tuesday's our day off. That's the only day we're closed. Tuesday's the day that we're in meetings all fucking day. We're working on the new restaurant or we're doing something stupid that I don't want to do that I have to do. And it just sort of, uh, inevitable but um you know it's just it's always it seems like almost seven days a week it's something but you pair that with the success that we've had the people that support us and it's it's you know worthwhile it, it, it makes it all um worth it so yeah, it's not too bad it <laughs> i don't want to complain did, something you did together mm-hmm. yeah so i i have a bunch of questions about um hit me you you kind of mentioned like that you've had to go through a couple GMs and you were also talking about how consistency is the thing mm-hmm. and just whenever I was uh, listening to the uh, the barbecue podcast I've now referenced like ten times um, you know that whenever they were uh, the different hosts were quizzing Daniel Vaughn about why a particular restaurant was ranked where it was ranked one of the number one things that would come up is consistency and then the problems like the challenges of having consistency when you're going from making 15 briskets a day to 45 briskets a day and he specifically referenced you a couple times mm-hmm. like moving from the truck to the full restaurant mm-hmm. he was just talking about how you know whenever you're at the truck like you personally are involved with every single step of every single brisket. You're right. smoking it. You're cutting it. Whereas now it's going to touch a lot of other people's hands besides yours before it gets to the, the plate. Yeah. Um, just I got a bunch of questions about that in general, but I guess uh, if you just want to give me your thoughts about you know what what is what has been the the biggest part of that challenge for you? Yeah, I think it's a it's definitely something interesting especially when you get to that point where like with daniel uh they have a ranking and so barbecue and just anything in general is very subjective 
Um, but it's a lot easier to cook 12 briskets than it is to cook 112 briskets. And it was, it's, it jumped out to me, like, as far as their top 10 goes, like how many of those places were like, we're open two days a week. Like, it just seemed like it, it just, it just seemed very obvious. It's, it's much easier to make excellent barbecue if you're making a small amount. Yeah. I, um, I wouldn't say easier probably, but it is, I mean, I think that plays a role into it. And so that's, if you're looking on some bullshit ranking type deal, then, you know, yeah, you can factor that in. I think I have a ton of respect for people like Aaron Franklin, who he, I think at full capacity can cook 108 briskets and they do that just about every day of the week. And then a guy like Ronnie Killen, uh, in Houston who has, you know, three or four massive smokers that cook a ridiculous amount of food. And, uh, you know, it's in, and two like style switch in Austin, they're open lunch and dinner. So it's kind of this weird deal where, especially with the Texas monthly, you know, the top 10 and all that, the majority of these places that are the highest strength are open like eight hours of the week mm-hmm. and cook 12 briskets or something every day. So when we were at the food truck, it was sort of out of necessity. If somebody wanted to come give me a hundred thousand dollars, I would have built another smoker and we would have cooked more. Um, but now I think barbecues become this sort of cool, fun thing. And it's like, I'm going to get a loan from my parents and I'm going to open a place just cause that's what I want to do every Saturday. And so you have these places that are open a couple days a week. It's sort of, you know, just something that they like to do, whatever. And, you know, like you said, it's not, I wouldn't say it's easier to do it that way, but for us, I would sort of rather, I mean, it was on purpose that we went from the food truck to the restaurant. We're like, we want to have really, really good barbecue lunch and dinner six days a week. Um, and that was just sort of our MO. And then, you know, because of that, there's probably going to be a couple times where you could come in at five thirty, and the brisket's not going to be perfect. Um, and that's just how it is. Cause you're not, you know, selling nine or 10 or whatever. But to me, that's more important is we would get so many, you know, uh, complaints or whatever you want to call it from people who are like, I can't stand in line for three hours. I love barbecue. Um, whether it's a job or, you know, whatever. Um, so we're like, okay, well, can we do that? Can we be really good? Can we source really good meat? Can we do sort of all the stuff that we want? But then can we make it more accessible? And that's our deal. And if you're looking at it from a ranking standpoint, we didn't get that great of a ranking from Texas Monthly. Um, you well, know, you which got a pretty good one, right? We're in the top 50, which is awesome. And yeah, that's, cause uh, the, it, I, I, might, I would hate to screw this up given how many times I've referenced the ranking, but it's just they rank the top 10 and then everyone else is just you're in the top 50, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we I think made, that anyone on the list has to be pretty – like just assume you're 11. It's uh, that would be cool. I think yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something. uh, I think you know. I mean, I've that's something that I've looked at forever since Texas Monthly's done it. So it was kind of a, you know, there's a lot of awards or stuff that you get that you're kind of like, oh, cool. You know, who gives a shit? But this was the one where it's like it was really cool to be included, especially since a lot of our friends that you know we really respect and respect how they cook. uh, You know that we're included with that. So it's. It's super cool. Um, you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot to it. And so I think that's where, you know, with us, we're, we're really focused on, you know, doing lunch and dinner and 
we want people to be able to come at eight and get a whiskey. We have a you know phenomenal whiskey bar at our place. They do have a full brown bar. Yeah, it might be the best one over there. I I'm not bragging, but I think the whiskey bar is pretty awesome. We got like 160 bottles, um, so it's cool. So we want to be like the hangout kind of fun spot and Fairmount, which is right. You know, it's like the neighborhood right next to us. We get a ton of people that come in there to support us, so it's cool. So I think it's. It's interesting just how barbecue has sort of transformed from old meat market styles to then now you have these food trucks to then now you have all the stuff. And I think that top 50 list is a great example of like just how crazy it is in Texas where you have this sort of, you know, strange uh, amalgam of all these different type of places. And uh, it's really cool. So it's cool to be included in that. but. So what would be like uh, if you had someone, uh, if you're talking to yourself a couple of years ago when you're moving out of the truck and you have all the knowledge you have now, what would be like uh, two or three practical tips for scaling up? Uh, from a restaurant standpoint? Um, I mean, I guess I mainly mean from like a, a cooking standpoint and then I have questions about, you know, personnel and stuff we can get to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we get a lot of people that come in that are like opening a place or... Um, there were some guys in the other day from Paris that were opening a barbecue place in Paris and didn't know what the hell they were doing, but I was happy to talk to him. Um, but just backyard cook, it's like start with like a pork butt cause that's pretty easy to not screw up. And then you can sort of work out, you know, how you smoke, how you do that. Then maybe work your way up to a brisket, kind of play around with that. But for me, it was weird cause it was sort of like, once, you know, uh, we got married, my in-laws got me a smoker. We started cooking. I started doing more. And then it was like every week I was cooking, do more. And then it was, you know, I woke up one day and I was like, oh, I've been doing this shit since I was 12. So I think I had a lot more experience, uh, you know, doing it. And just after you've cooked thousands of pounds of meat, eventually you know what the hell you're doing. So it was kind of trial and error, but then also working with those guys in Austin, I learned a lot. So it's something that I think the more that you just immerse yourself into it, there's a ton of YouTube videos, there's a ton of books, all that type of stuff. Um, and then that's not even the competition side, like competition barbecue is a whole nother animal that's completely different from just how we cook. And, uh, that's, a, that's, you know, another really cool element of it. But I think it's just kind of a cool, fun hobby that, you know, a lot of guys get into and, you can do it. You can buy like a Weber smoker that's, you know, not that expensive. And, you know, it's uh, those guys are competing against guys that have like a $10,000 smoker. So it's just kind of a fun thing. Um, obviously, I do it for a living, so it's not fun all the time. But <laughs> Yeah. So as far as the personnel stuff goes, um, I know one thing is mentioned specifically is uh, in, in the other podcast I listened to, then you kind of brought it up. Um, whenever you're in the truck, uh, it's you. I don't. I don't think you would even think to hire a GM. But like, whenever you're running a like a full-on restaurant, like it'd be crazy not to have one. I got a bunch of questions about that. Where, whenever you are trying to find a GM, like uh, you know, is there a GM store you can go to and pick <laughs> one out? Like, what what's the process for? Because I mean, that just like. The other person you're working with here is your wife, right. like you know, and like you know her like exactly. It's your wife, mm -hmm. and then so to kind of like uh, bring someone else in where you're going to be working as closely with them as you are with like your partner in life, uh, that just sounds great. Like, 
unless unless you said you're about to tell me that you hired like your best friend since you were two years old <laughs> as your GM, then like it would seem like it would be really weird to start out. So what what is yeah. that process like? Um, yeah, so we, I guess before we opened the restaurant, kind of transition from food truck to restaurant, we knew we would need a GM. We hired a guy, um, local guy, and uh, it it didn't work out for some reasons that you know we can't really discuss but was he stealing i'm we, kidding I yeah <laughs> i don't actually want you in so. please don't ask me that the uh the second guy you know was kind of the same thing and it was almost a uh you know a lot different from the first where uh was really experienced that type of deal and um you know again just didn't really work out and so we're kind of at this crossroads from the last you know four months or something like that where we had this conversation it was kind of like okay we've struck out two times on people that don't really know uh you know really like could run a restaurant could do a great job but they don't necessarily know how we would want the restaurant to be run and um you know a lot of that falls into the values that you have and that sort of thing so it it worked itself out you know, in essentially Emma kind of taking on that role, but it's, it's very difficult to find somebody and, and there's a lot of articles and stuff out now where they're just saying how the restaurant industry, it's just really tough to find anyone like to find a dishwasher is tough to find a line cook. Is there, a, um, do they speculate as to why that is? Uh, I think it's just, there's way too many restaurants. If you're looking specifically at Dallas, Fort Worth, mm-hmm there's an abundance of restaurants and there's not enough talent. Um, so you have, you know, you're either most of the restaurants are understaffed or they're working people 80 hours a week, hundred hours a week, you know? And so we, you know, at our, at our place, we never had insurance. So that's a big deal for us. Anyone in our restaurant has the, uh, the ability to get benefits through us, health and life and dental. Um, yeah, it's cool. And so that helps people stick around a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to provide, you know, that to, to people because you want that. But, uh, you know, I'll talk to people where it's like, man, we've gone through a, a headline cook like every week for the last two months or something. Um, so it's just tough. And, you know, there's not a not a ton of qualified people out there. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, what we do isn't that difficult. You're just cooking barbecue and um, there's, you know, a lot of service to it, but, uh, we don't need to complicate it too much. You know what I mean? I was going to ask about the sourcing. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. I'd love to hear about Just that. Just about like, as far as how you choose, um, where you're getting your stuff from. I know you guys are, um, I don't know if it's like super particular, but I know that you're maybe more particular than some others, um, as far as like the life of the animal yeah uh, what things are like uh where they're coming from and it might cost you a little bit more and i don't know that that totally shows up in taste i think that probably the taste comes from what you guys do with it but you're essentially asking your consumer to care about the same things that you do i do um but maybe not everyone does i don't know maybe that just comes from where you and your wife how you think about animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Industry where you serve dead animals. Yeah, um, it's... Uh, so, you it, know, I just allowed these two dogs to completely fuck <laughs> our entire show today. They're yeah, cool. So I uh, have a tall 
for uh, animals while at the same time, uh, or not tolerance, but a love for while at the same time. You're not going to uh, smoke them later, though. No, are you? I'm not. Okay. I will eat some form of. I don't want to be dog. a part of that. Hey, <laughs> serve it right. Who knows? My point is just uh, I know that's something that's important to you guys. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know how that all I, how that what, all shakes out. Yeah. How do you even find places? Um. So that's our deal and like we have farm to smoker is like our tagline on our thing and it's something that's real important to us and like i'm a big i love dan barber who's the chef at blue hill blue hill at stone barns he wrote a book called the third plate which is like super liberal hippie bullshit whatever but it's where he's talking about sustainability and you know specifically with um, how it affects restaurants and that type of thing. It's a really great book worth looking into. Um, but that affected me, you know, uh, big time. And it was just when we were at the food truck, we'd get Creekstone Farms briskets. And they're, uh, you know, just as far as a large scale company, um, you know, it's no antibiotics, no hormones. We get their all natural stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about as, good as you could get we would get their you, prime you would grade buy them through benny keith uh, you just mentioned going to benny keith yeah we would get so most of the time you have to work through a distributor mm-hmm. um unless it's like a very local you know type of deal um but almost every time you have to work through a distributor and then yeah. so then they get a cut of it that's you know just how the whole thing works so we essentially had benny keith bring those in for us mm-hmm. and then you know at the food truck we weren't doing a ton Um, but then once we started on the restaurant, we were using so much that they couldn't support it. They couldn't support how much we were bringing in, um, Creekstone. So it was kind of, uh, an issue. And then once we started using them, then there was, uh, two, two other places in Fort Worth that didn't give a shit about that, that started trying to buy from them. And so essentially they started selling, some of what we would get to the other places and i kind of was just rights. yeah i was kind of just like well i'm not going to work with you guys anymore so we so then uh, this is within the last month or so we switched to national which is another big box company um, but we use their all-natural prime line and we get those through uh, our distributor out of austin but he he was telling me when he talked to the guy at National, he was telling him how much you know we buy, and the guy just laughed him off the phone and like hung up the phone. And then he called him back. Was like, no, seriously, this is how much they buy. So they <laughs> essentially have blocked off you know a, a, an amount that we for sure will get you know uh, uh, every week or whatever. So that's been awesome. And then as far as pork, we get our pork from Nyman Ranch, which is. They just got bought by Purdue, which is kind of like a weird deal, but Nyman Ranch is awesome. And they basically, if you're, you know, a farmer, you have to follow this huge protocol of requirements, all this stuff to fall under Nyman Ranch. And then if, if you're able to do all that stuff, then they can give you a living wage. So they can essentially pay those farmers more money than if they were just to go out on the open market and sell their their hogs and it's nuts. It's down to how they process the animals. It's, I think there's like 12 ingredients they can have in their feed, which gets kind of gnarly because it gets to the point where, you know, there's sort of 
animal byproduct that's used in feed for cattle and, and hogs, uh, which is essentially just like ground up cows or ground up pigs mm-hmm. from the offal that they kind of do away with. So Nyman Ranch is like the exact opposite. I mean, it's just like a very, very specific thing. They don't do any hormones. They don't do any antibiotics. And they sort of have this process where like they put oregano in the water. They do all this, you know, kind of goofy stuff to to kind of help with that. But then if an animal is sick, then essentially they remove it from the herd and then they sell it, you know, as a, uh, they don't sell it as a Nyman Ranch. They sell it as a uh, Supreme. So we, my wife and I have been to a farm that we bought pork from in uh, New Providence, Iowa. And yeah, it was awesome. It was a really cool experience. (laughs) Like, uh, it's pasture raised pigs. So they're just out in the field. Um, it's this guy, Paul Brown and his family, and he's just like the stereotypical farmer, you know, uh, figure, but there's a, I think there's a photo on our Facebook page where Emma's holding a piglet that was eight hours old. Wow. And, uh, it was just this kind of cool deal where we're like, you know, literally the boxes that we'll get from Nyman Ranch say like there's a number system on it and it says which farm we get them from. Um, and of course we post that picture online and everybody's like, Oh, bacon burn in. And you're like, Oh God damn it. That's not <laughs> like, you know, it's not a, it's uh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. sure. I was having a dart uh, not thinking it. Uh, yeah. But it was, uh, that, that was a really cool experience. So, you know, we get our, our ribs, we get our pork butts, we get our, uh, bacon, you know, the, the pork belly that we make into the bacon burn-ins from that. So it's a big deal for us. All of that essentially equates to for the consumer is it's more expensive, but on our end, we're like, it's a difference between, and I've, and the way that I've seen it most impact people is with people with kids where they're like, I'm not going to take my kid to McDonald's but I'll take my kid to Kincaid's or, you know, a place like that where I know that they're doing a hundred percent grass fed beef. That's no hormone, no antibiotic. So I appreciate that you guys do that. Eventually, you know, every now and then we get people that come in that are like, why is this more expensive than the place across town? And, you know, it's just, you're not going to win everybody over. But for us, it's like, if you can start with a really good product, we know that, these animals were humanely raised, but then also how they're processed is humane and everything else. They don't just hit them with a bat or whatever. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's, Why it's, the concept of hitting a cow with a bat funny, but <laughs> so I don't know. That's, I mean, the, the pigs, they like, they take them into a room and then they introduce CO2 to that room and then they all fall asleep. I mean, we do it to people, so we must not be. Yeah. But the people killed someone. Oh yeah, but I mean, it's obviously the like pigs didn't kill. But we've ruled that a uh, a palatable form of of assisted death, right? Uh, I don't want to bog, so I'll say sure. Yeah, I mean, it's not old Sparky. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly better than that. Now I'm imagining a, a pig in a electric chair. That's kind of cute too, and some sort of weird. I don't think any part of that sounds cute to me, but, uh, you know, whatever you got going. Um, the last thing for me, or actually there's a couple things, but we got we can wrap up. Um, and I don't want you to shade other restaurants because I feel like that would be a very bad uh, look for you. But it is kind of weird to me that there was such a seeming vacuum 
of like super high quality restaurants of your genre over here. And like, there's a couple places okay, that yeah. I still would go to. Like, I don't mind. I mean, my parents or not my grandparents more likely went to go there. But like, why is it that in Fort Worth there really isn't like ten places kind of like yours? I mean, I'm not saying that made it easier for you. Yeah, because I know you guys have had to bust ass, but there wasn't. Like, obviously, this recipe can work here. You're living proof. Yeah. How come other people don't try like, it? Uh, you know, I love eating barbecue. I eat barbecue at every family event my whole life, right? Like, we almost all did. We're from Texas. But in Fort Worth, there really isn't just this massive glut of competition. There are a few places, yeah. and those few places are fine. Right. Yeah. But yeah. they're not particularly creative. Um. They definitely don't have 160 bottles of whiskey. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird, kind of to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and, and like, I don't want to make it seem like it made it easier for you guys because I know that it was very tough. No, but I, I think you're up, fair in assuming that that played a role in it because if you look at just, I mean, the Texas Monthly thing that they just came out with was the golden age of barbecue, and so. I think I attribute it to Aaron and Austin, Aaron Franklin. And I think you can look at most cities, you know, if you're looking at Dallas, you have Pecan Lodge came out of there and, but you had Sonny Bryan's that's been around forever and yeah. international, you know, whatever. And then even Austin, you have Ironworks has been around forever. I mean, there's a ton of places that, that, you know, Texas has such a strong tradition of barbecue and some one of Bailey's downtown in Fort Worth, I think it was open in the 30s. Uh, Angelo's, um, you know, up off White Settlement, they, they've been open since the 50s, something like that. So there's a history of it, and, you know, I, and, and that's awesome, but I think within the last five, ten years, something like that, you've seen where people like Aaron have, have started this whole new trend where you're taking this very old-school thing – uh, this very traditional way of cooking, this cooking method, but then you're applying a very scientific way to look at it and just as as thorough as possible. We're trying to do barbecue, but then we care about where we source our meat. We care about how we slice it. We don't care about being open for eight hours a day. We just want to serve it until we sell out and all this stuff. And then that's attributed to these places that are um, you know, like uh, in the Texas Monthly deal and all that, that that are these kind of new places that are doing really, really good stuff that maybe don't care about serving schooners of beer, you know, that type of stuff. So I think it's just kind of a a, a product of of where barbecue is going. And honestly, to me, looking at the Texas Monthly Top 50 and that sort of stuff, it kind of hurts a little bit to see a lot of these old school places that aren't included anymore. Yeah. I mean, there are none. There's yeah, not a lot. There's not a lot. Yeah. yeah. Really small town. Louis Miller and Taylor, which yeah. is awesome. I mean, that's a cathedral of, of, you know, Texas barbecue. That's um, on the list for the trip, which is being delayed. I'm not taking the trip. I this saw weekend. that, but you're still taking the trip. Still taking the trip. It'll you got to go there. Month. You got to go there and you got to get a beef rib and then their sauce is like 50% beef fat just from their trimmings. Oh, wow. And it's stupid. Like, nobody gives a shit about sauce, but it just, it's good. Not so, only do you love not it. give a shit about sauce, I feel like sauce has a bad name. It depends on the place, but some places certainly seem insulted. 
Right. Like if you put sauce on it. Like when my dad would put ketchup when my mom would make a steak. Yeah. I think it's some places like that where some places like they make it with the intention. Like I think it's a style thing. Is that whole water? No, I think so. Because that's it's regional. And so you have Carolinas, Kansas City, Texas and Texas is probably the only region that's like sauce doesn't really matter. Kansas City, it's a big deal. North Carolina, it's a big deal. Kind of everywhere else. Uh, but Texas is sort of like beef centric. You know, it's we don't really give a shit about sauce. So it's interesting. But it's, you know, you see like the Giddings Meat Market, um, Gonzalez Meat Market, all these places, places in Lockhart. And, you know, even like Angelo's locally. Like I've been to Angelo's. I grew up eating there. And so when you look at these list and you know blogs or whatever you're kind of like what makes that place not you know as good as my place or as good as some other place because i think there's so many things that go into making a really good barbecue place and maybe it's not always about the food or about the quality whatever um so it's interesting but you know whatever so i i've uh one main question left, and then uh, we have a matter that we need you to settle for us. <laughs> um, the question is, whenever it is uh, someone you know, from Texas, like whenever the first time Daniel Vaughn walked into your restaurant, what is uh, the protocol for handling that? Like, I don't know, just how do you, how do you approach that? And like, uh, you know, the, you mentioned that the, the first review you got was from like someone from the, um, star telegram. Did, did you know at that point or how just the, the interaction with reviewers, which in your story sounds like is a pretty crucial part of it as far as getting the word out. Um, how do you approach that? Yeah, I think, um, for one, I'm not probably good at that. <laughs> Uh, cause I am anti, it's working, out. it's working out so far. Yeah. Em is a lot better at it, but I'm anti any, uh, sort of, uh, kiss ass, uh, type of deal, you know? And I, and, and, you know, of course I don't, I'm not pointing out anyone in particular, but I think it's just, you have like bloggers and then you have reviewers and you have all this shit. And I think, uh, I would assume for a restaurant that's not barbecue, it's probably really difficult, you know, and like even when you're talking about like uh, friends of mine that have restaurants where you're like Michelin star guys are coming in and they have pseudonames and they're like doing all this yeah. like craziness to uh, drop a fork or they'll, they'll yeah. set a fork so you don't hear it drop. I yeah. uh, I did watch the uh, Bradley Cooper chef movie. Wow, that's a thing. <laughs> the Michelin people will they don't want the waitress to hear the fork clanging and they respond to that. To so they'll set a fork down to see if they pick it up. Mm. Yeah, there's a deal where they'll uh, leave a napkin in or, you know, they'll leave the, the napkin in the restroom. And then come back like 30 minutes later and see if anybody picked it up. So thank God we don't have to deal with any of that bullshit. You know, it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, our biggest, it's not big on that. Not that I know of. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, maybe that's why we got a four. I don't know. But, uh, it's, it's, you know, I think the biggest deal with, with barbecue is just consistency. And when you're open six days a week, lunch and dinner, you know, it's just kind of tough. And, we have a, a really good crew. We have a really good, you know, staff in the smokehouse and the kitchen kind of everywhere that I feel really proud of, of what we've done. But you have your off days and you can't always be, uh, 
can't always be super consistent. So, you know, it is what it is, but I think that's the thing is like, we just strive every day to like, this is our standards. We try to meet that every day. And I think for the most part we do that, but that's, I mean, you can really like, I have friends that I talk to and especially like the more you talk to people that are just starting out, they've just opened a place and they're like, Oh my God, we got this Yelp review the other day. And you're just like, I just want to like hug you and tell you like, it's going to be all right. This person on Yelp does not matter. <laughs> like they're, you know, they just uh, seem like the worst uh, people. <laughs> Jay from Connie Rosso. He's the best. He's <laughs> the best. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He went on the offense. I love it. He will post Yelp, negative Yelp reviews on his Facebook page with the person's name and face and everything else. <laughs> and I love it. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that some of that um, fighting fire with fire yeah. is very warranted. Anytime we get a negative review, I'll post it. Not, not every time, but I'll every now and then I'll post it and tag him if it's a particularly good one. Cause he's still the king of that. Um, but yeah, I love that guy. So I think you can get bogged down and just reviewers and all that shit. And it's like, I, I would like to say if we didn't get in the top 50, I would be like, ah, who gives a fuck? But it's one of those things where it's a really cool deal and it's really cool to be included. So I'm happy about it. But for the most part, if somebody from, you know, the Bedford Gazette or something doesn't like my food. It's like, well, you know, who gives a shit? So, all right, two quick ones before the sandwich question. What's your, uh, I know we talked about this a little bit, regular day to day? Uh, regular day to day. So, usually I'll wake up not super early, but about eight. We'll go up to the restaurant. I'll check. So, at that point, we should have about 10 o'clock. We're pulling off ribs. We're finishing the bacon, turkey, There's sausage. Yeah, so our morning crew gets there at four thirty. Okay, so they get there at four thirty, and I hate that gig, but they did the, it for plenty. Yeah, guys. yeah, the guys so. that we had, they do a great job. So um, they get there four thirty, start the fires. That's when we're doing the ribs, uh, finishing the bacon burn ends, turkey, sausage. Um, that's it, and then so that all that shit has to be off. Hopefully by nine. Sometimes we'll go till ten. So usually about eight o'clock, I'm there checking it, just making sure everything's good. Um, because two, it's crucial. Just when you wrap the ribs, you know that whole process. Um, now it's to the point where they do a good job. I'm not, you know, having to be there every day, but um, all that shit has to come off. We have trim briskets for the next day, the day before. So then we have all of the trim briskets. So as soon as that stuff comes off, maybe 10 o'clock, 930, we're putting on briskets and pork butts for the next day. Those will cook um, about one o'clock. Then our night crew comes in and then those guys finish the briskets. So they'll end up pulling the briskets maybe about midnight, something like that. Um, and then it, it depends. Sometimes later, most of the time later, but around midnight, so then those briskets will come off and then they'll go into the warmers um, and then they're in there. So it's from, you know, we're close Tuesday, but like Tuesday today, we're cooking for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So from Tuesday at about 6 a.m. till Monday at about 1 p.m., the smokers are going 24 hours a day. Let's say 8, 15 or so. So what time in the afternoon? Uh, usually I'll bail about 4 Cause that's when Emma's kind of leaving okay. and I have to have some semblance of uh, 
relationship with my wife. <laughs> so I've noticed that I need to, uh, to do that, but sure. usually I'll come back about eight or 9 PM at night, just go up there for a couple hours. And that's where I'll, I'll check with the guys, make sure the briskets are going good, that we're pulling those off fine. Cause essentially too, you have to wrap them at a certain point and then they go back on the smokers and then they cook for longer. The guy that's our night cook, our main night cook is my best friend since kindergarten. Um, and, uh, he had a really crappy job before we opened the restaurant. And so I was like, well, I'll teach you how to cook brisket if you want. <laughs> and he's, he's really done a really good job. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's somebody that's reliable, <laughs> you know, yeah, that you can count on. Yeah. So come up. And then how did you get hooked up with the Kent people? Um, I mean, it was literally that email, like Rachel sent us an email. They're related somehow to. Yeah. So, so, uh, cause it's all the same. They're they're the same person on both those buildings. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Frank Kent is like a big Fort Worth family. You know, they have all the car dealerships, that shit. Um, and a lot of other stuff. So, so, uh, that's the granddad. Okay, so she's related to them. Yeah, so okay, Will. I didn't recognize the name, and I knew. Yeah, yeah. So Will and his Will and his sister, Will Churchill, uh, his sister Corey Watson, they're twins. Um, and then Will's wife is named Rachel. Um, so that's our group, and so they own Kenton Co. They own a bunch of other stuff, um, but talking with other people too and especially like you know other people in the the restaurant industry i don't think i've ever heard of a restaurant you know partnership that is like this awesome (laughs) which is maybe i'm just biased yeah they kind of they let us you know do our thing which i think is why we're successful you know that's part of it um but it's also there there to support and then when we were kind of like looking at the second location um you know, they really pushed it and we're like, we think this is a great idea. Let's go for it. And so it's, it's very unique and we feel very blessed to be in that situation. Cause I mean, there's a friend of mine's restaurant that just closed the other day because of, uh, you know, issues with their partners and that type of thing. So, you know, that's just how it is. And, and I think it sucks. Uh, it's very difficult at times, but we, we've been incredibly blessed with the situation we're in. And how do they get those cars down? At the Frank Kent, uh, Kentco, and how a car that's up on top of a, it's like a automatic lift. Or yeah. Sort of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the at the wine place. Is owned by oh Kent, yeah, yeah, Kentco yeah. Wine Company, which yeah. is yeah. a smoker. Like it's right in that middle section. Yeah, right by it's there. It's got like a Cadillac up on like a, I don't know, a goddamn yeah, <laughs> like, and you can like sit like, under it. Yeah, you can have a glass of wine under it. Yeah, yeah. You just have to back it off like TC once with the. Uh, I don't. I don't. It can be done. I look at that and I think of your incident sometimes. Like, how are you going to get that down from there? It wasn't that high up. It wasn't that high up. Right? I drove that car for you know long time after. So it can be done. Yeah, six years after. So, I think a lot of people have interpreted the question here of. What's the best way to try out a barbecue place for the first time? I don't think that's the question. Okay. I think the question is, if you're going to a barbecue place that you, you haven't been to before, and they serve a brisket sandwich, and sure. you say, hmm, that sounds good. Yeah, I'd like to have that. Is it okay to order that brisket sandwich? Well, I think uh, 
in in listening to the last podcaster the other day, uh-huh. uh, it was it was almost it reminded me of uh, middle school, high school, where maybe I didn't get that great of a report card. Like it was a good report card, but it wasn't a great report card. And then it was like my parents arguing of my dad, like, no, this is great. He did a really good job. And then my mom's like, I don't know. He, he could have done better. He could have, you know, maybe, you know, uh, science could have been better and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so that's how I felt a little bit, but I think, uh, if you're trying out a barbecue place, I, I go brisket, uh, pork ribs, if they have it, um, sausage. And then if the sides, Bro, I think I think sides are very important. I think it's, I, I actually I think that's one of the distinctions I make between some of the other places over here and you guys' place. Like Man, I don't salad, like that many sides. That, jalapeno mac and cheese and bacon potato salad is it's I, fire. I really feel like that's I've that. I for like most of my life palate just to kind of <laughs> for most of my life I've thought that I was someone who really loved mac and cheese, and I've come to realize. That I'm someone who really loves craft mac and cheese out of the box, <laughs> and that I always order mac and cheese thinking it's going to be that, and then whenever it shows up something else, and I'm like, "Fuck this!" She really does. And macaroni and cheese, there's a lot of easy ways to screw it up, at least for my palate. See, here was my problem with his with his thing the other day, and you're never going to admit to this, but I contend that the brisket that goes on a brisket sandwich is not the best brisket that you have. There's something I'd there. at least like to hear his take on He's that. not going to tell you. It yeah. Just, Are we talking chopped brisket, sliced brisket? What did you go with? Uh, I think it was probably chopped, right? I th- I think it was sliced. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. It was a long time ago. Yeah, sliced they made that may be invalidating what I'm it saying. It's probably but like a year ago, My right? biggest problem was, yeah, about that is that it was with four other people and it may have been a collective error. I just think if you have four other people, you should be ordering like when we came in on Saturday, it was with two people. other people. It was three total. It was me, Machine, and Josh. Oh, okay, I thought there was another. I could be so wrong. We got some lean, some fatty, so you can. Have I'm both, sorry to both whoever both else might have been there if I'm forgetting. Uh, and then try the stuff. Actually, there is a sandwich that you guys have that I really want to try, and I almost thought about ordering it the other day just to send it to TC. But I was with three other people, so if I'm with three other people, <laughs> then I want to do sure. I want to have burnt ends. I want to have uh, sausage. I want to have two types of brisket. Sure. Uh, and hell, I might even throw something wild in there like, you know, obviously ribs, but something wild like turkey in there. I mean, there's a line though. So what Jake is describing is a very like, I, I'm i trying out this barbecue place. I want to see what's going on. I want to try this. I want to try this, that, blah, blah, blah. So the reason... No, I wanted to say like we have sandwiches for profiling purposes, but we. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case. We also do have a sandwich that has like five types of meat and macaroni. Yeah, cheese on it. yeah, yeah. That's so that's good. See if that if you're talking about that, I will lay down my rifle. Our sandwich a, menu is, and I'm comfortable saying this is modeled after Stanley's in uh, Tyler, which is where I went to. East, uh, went to school at UT Tyler in East Texas. Um, I begged them to give me a job. They never hired me. I love those guys, Nick and uh, and uh, oh, I forgot the other fucking guy's name. Um, but they're great. I love those guys. And uh, they would do where they have a sandwich and it's just a regular ass sandwich. Or you could get a jumbo sandwich, which is like the sandwiches that we serve at our restaurant. So it was essentially like 
what we would do is we would eat ramen noodles all week. We would go to Stanley's on Friday. We would go to Kilgore and get a 30 pack of beer and drink half of it on the way back from Kilgore. And that was our gig. And so you could get a whole fucking sandwich and it's like, that's all you needed for the whole day. So like all of our sandwiches on the menu are a half pound of meat. We do one that's called the big cat and it's named after my friend, big cat. So he came in, he got a chopped brisket sandwich and Mac and cheese. And then he's an absolute animal. And so he put the Mac and cheese directly on top of the sandwich. And then the next time he came in, I was like, you fucked up. That's I'm putting it on the menu. And, uh, you know, he loved it of course, but then, we have the barbecue snob, which is like the first time that Daniel came in. He put bacon burn ins on a chopped beef sandwich with the the jalapeno. So we named that after him. And, you know, it's just kind of funny. So then it's turned into this whole sub deal. So I think it's like if you're like a three, four group, whatever, you're coming in, you're trying it out. Maybe I'm going to get a beef rib, get the bacon burn ins, of course. I'm going to get some brisket, that type of thing. But maybe you're just doing a lunch. You can get a sandwich, that type of deal. So I feel like you got a lot of heat on the sandwich in. I did feel like that too. Yeah, but it's like might not have helped. Yeah. uh, No, I'd say on Twitter it probably wasn't. It was probably forty-five, fifty-five in your direction. It was nowhere near your three-two. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I got people that are ready to kill me over supporting the three tier alcohol. Uh, It was way way closer to fifty fifty. I but we're talking like circumstances that come into play here. It's not straight up. (laughs) The other day, I think uh, I think you might have seen it. Babe Laufenberg wrote some. Yeah, that was a bad. (laughs) So dumb. That was bad. He wrote some shit about waiting in line at barbecue and how stupid it was, and just got obliterated like, by I'll the Twitter like, hive dude, mind. I mean, yeah. I want to wait four hours, yeah. but I'll wait 25 minutes. Yeah. Like it's the same thing as if you would wait, uh, like at a restaurant for half an hour, like your food's going to come out faster. Yeah. You may have to stand for, you know, more of it than ever. You, you would be standing at a Mexican restaurant. You might not have chips and dip, but sure. you could wait. Half if only you were born with a pro athletes genes to be able to withstand this, uh, standing spell. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that was warranted to the sandwich. You, know, you like a sandwich. That's okay. You like a sandwich. Nothing wrong with that. But, uh, you need to go have that barbecue snob. the barbecue snob is good. I'm bummed that I'm not, I, I understand that this, uh, uh, podcast couldn't have happened otherwise, but I was pissed and I realized that you closed today because <laughs> I'm not in Fort Worth that often, and I would re- I would like to eat there. Oh yeah, so uh, it's it's cool. I heard the debate, and I I definitely have respect for both sides. I think you got a little bit uh, killed, but it's like literally <laughs> like what denomination do you belong to? You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you get down to it the barbecue and the hive mind and that whole deal is just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's insanity. So yeah, I'd rather argue about this <laughs> than religion. Yeah. Frankly, you are right though, that some places won't serve sandwiches. So yeah. obviously I would think that there's some kind of a dividing line and tensions. Well, they won't serve you a sandwich, but they'll put a piece of white bread on the side mm-hmm. of your plate with the, with a, you know, yeah, all of the fixings. So. And you're not gonna find you're not gonna find a place open in the last ten years that does that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a very old school meat market deal. And so that's like you go to Smitty's and Lockhart. It's like meat, sausage, and like bread. 
and then the sides they sell you in a separate fucking room. They don't care about them that much. You know what I mean? And then even Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're going to sell you this meat hot off the pit right here. We're going to cut it in front of you. And then the rest of your bullshit, you can get over there. And so it's, I definitely respect that, but that's the thing I think that's so cool about barbecue now is you have those old school places that have been around forever, even blacks and, you know, all the Lockhart places, um, and then mix with these dudes that are open like two days a week that are doing like 20 different specialty sausages and all this other bullshit. Um, that's very unique. Even for us to do the bacon burn ends was like something that we made up that pork belly, um, you know, isn't really a traditional barbecue meat, but, um, we sell the shit out of that. So it's kind of, you know, it's just kind of a crazy thing. I think everybody's sort of putting their spin on it. And, uh, you know, that's when I see places like, like Aaron and, you know, on Austin and his deal is interesting because you have to wait forever, but I still to this day have not had barbecue better than that. I mean, I know you've been there, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah, it we went to, uh, uh, law on the bus. Law barbecue's great. That was one of the best fucking nights of my life. Yeah, whenever man, we were on a party sure. bus with Jonah Carey during South by Southwest and we pulled up to the back and just like someone just came in with, I don't know, just the whole like two big brown bags, just full of just brisket sandwiches. Down. That's yeah. so awesome. And we were, you know, there was a lot going on. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> just having a good time. Just a couple of friends. Yeah. That's my, uh, a lot of barbecues. Great. I love those guys. And, um, a friend of mine that was the head pit master there, Esau Ramos, he opened his place in San Antonio, two M smokehouse. And, uh, they just got into the top 52, you know, and, um, they're awesome. And he's doing, you know, he's, he's doing like uh pickled Nopalitos and he's got all this other like crazy stuff. He's got a sort of a walking style sausage that's nuts. And I mean, it's cool. So you, you see that, yeah, you see that element of it. Um, Hey, so, uh, I was a bit surprised by the, uh, the sandwich opinion. So let me ask, um, is there anything, cause you guys don't serve a baked potato. Is that right? We do not, not right now. Yeah. What's uh, what's the the feeling in the barbecue community around the barbecue baked potato? I mean, uh, is there respect for it? Is there derision? Are you talking about a barbecue like a spud with barbecue on it? Yeah, a little brisket on there. Yeah, we had that in St. Marcus, like a delivery place, but because like Mike Anderson's is a place that I love in Dallas, and like they'll give you barbecue baked potato. That's great. Smoky John's is near my house, like it's the closest barbecue place to my house. And I always get a barbecue baked potato from there. Mm. And I really like barbecue baked potato, but I could also kind of see how um, it doesn't take like that quality of a meat to make it good. Like the potato kind of makes it easier because like you just pour a pu- bunch of fucking cheese and butter <laughs> on a potato and it's going to be awesome no matter Delicious, what. Delicious, yeah. So... I, I didn't know if that was the feeling in the community is that it's easy and it's a cheat or if they, or if they think it's awesome. Cause I think it's, awesome. yeah. Uh, I, I'm not probably the best to speak on the community about anything. <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. Well, just um, what do you think about why, well, why don't you have one? Uh, we don't have one just because it's kind of a pain in the ass to do just the way that our setup is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had, I probably had a dozen ish people, ask me about that Mm -hmm. so that's something at the second restaurant that we're thinking we might throw on the menu okay Um, it's just something we can't really work out now but like i know uh, well if you do i'll eat it 
Yeah. I mean, a good potato, like, yeah, it's awesome. There's uh, Woodshed in Fort Worth. They do one with like bacon that's um, really good. So I think a, a lot of places do it well. The Pecan um, Lodge sweet potato, the hot mess. That right. With all know, the stuff. Legendary. That's really good. Yeah. Um, for, for us, it's just, we're more like, we only, I think we have like 60 spots maybe inside or 50, 60 seats inside. Um, so if it's hot or if it's raining, whatever, we're just trying to get people through there as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. And so it's just stuff like that. Like even the burger, we do a burger that people love. That's really good, but we just do it on Monday nights cause that's kind of our slowest night. Um, so then we can have, you know, 30 minute ticket times. It's not a big deal. Because everybody's, you know, wants a burger or whatever. So that's, I think that's a fine line too, is like for, for, for me and Emma, especially, I mean, when we were at the food truck, you'd have people that would come up and be like, like, I fucking hate you because I can't eat your barbecue. You know what I mean? Like they're literally upset at you because you sold out or they're upset that you can't cook enough or whatever. And so you fall into this deal where you're like, not that you want to appease those people, but you're just you know, I would like to be as accessible as possible. I, I don't reading the market. Yeah. That's but, basic. and maybe like a lot of places are comfortable with like people standing in line for six hours to eat their food. But I would rather you don't have to wait more than 30 minutes. You can get our food. You're going to like it. And then you're going to go back to work. Or you're going to do whatever, blah, blah, blah. So all of that is sort of part of, I mean, everything of the menu of all of that. And you brought um, back the Boilermaker. Oh, my God. Those are deadly. Yeah. <laughs> those are it's, deadly. Uh, I, I previously knew that as like a shit union worker drink. Uh, yeah. And now they actually feel like there's some thought put into them. Yeah, we we have a pretty badass list. So the, the one that I know you've partaken of is the local breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's one that I'm proud of. So um, that's my friend John Healy opened Wild Acre Brewery. The, the Soul Pleasure Stout beer with a, uh, a little shot of the Avoca cold brew, which Avoca is the coffee roaster on Magnolia, um, which sounds super weird. Put a little coffee in your beer, drop a shot of TX whiskey in that, and you just sip it. It's just dumb. It's like motor oil, but delicious. <laughs> the, uh, there's one that's with the, uh, the, uh, the vanilla, too. Isn't there? Yeah. There's something that's made with like a the one of the vanilla type beers. Yeah, it's one of yeah, yeah. It's with TX maybe. Yeah, there's one that's a Moonlight Shine and Buffalo Trace. Yeah, maybe? That might be it. yeah. But and it does have a little vanilla, a little hint of vanilla. Um, it just sounds like you're. I mean, it tastes like you're drinking straight alcohol. Like it's it's just smooth. And delicious, but we have a drink, the Sneaky Snake, that my wife just named. Uh, that you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy. It's a drink that we had at our favorite bar in Austin, Liberty Bar on East Six. I've been um, Liberty Bar. Oh, it's great, isn't it awesome? It just is. a killer dive bar. And then you can go to the uh, what's the truck outside? Uh, Paul Key's truck. Yeah, I don't know. This is the worst podcast. Everybody's just gonna be yelling at us, but that. Uh, the fuck is that called? Eastside King. Eastside King truck. Eastside King, you can get the fried beets. You can get the, the chicken karage. You can get all that shit. And how have you ever done that? Oh, my God. You got to go. It's phenomenal. Get their stuff from there. But so uh, the Liberty Barney 6, it's uh, Stiegel grapefruit beer. 
which is like 4% or something. It's not that much. Are you about to tell me put rum with it? I'm about to tell you put tequila in it. Okay. A lot of tequila. Because that uh, uh, Twilight downtown, they'll go Stiegel with uh, Captain sure. Morgan. Oh, I probably like that too. The Stiegel's great. This is getting way off track. Yeah, this isn't even what we're talking about, but so you should drink that. Every day but Tuesday, uh, people can go in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you doing this, dude. Thanks for having me, guys. I really uh, listen to you guys just about every week, so I'm happy to be here. It's good times. This has been awesome. Thanks, man. That's it for tonight. The high school special is next, so until tomorrow, for everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm TC and Jake. We do thank you for watching.